Thank you. That is obviously a song of surrender. And if you were singing those words, you were singing some pretty important words to God. And it's very difficult to live out those words that you were singing if you are believing lies. Lies that are out there and are quite believable. For instance, do you believe that unicorns exist? What about tooth fairies? What about jackalopes? People talk about those creatures. None of them exist. And yet there are people who have come to believe they do. Why? Well, it sounds good, kind of fun. And we hear people often talk about them as though they are real. And if we hear people talk about them as though they are real long enough, we actually find ourselves talking about them as though they are real. And we have believed a lie. Unicorns are just imaginary animals. There are no tooth fairies. Let me tell you a secret. It's your mom and dad. Surprise. There's no such thing as a jackalope. A combination of a jackrabbit and an antelope with antlers. <clears throat> that came from way back in medieval days and uh, the old west in our country. The jackalopes don't exist. But people believe they exist. We're really easily fooled. And, of course, unicorns and fairies and jackalopes, I mean, that's not that significant. But I tell you what, just like there are people who come to believe those things because they hear it enough, find themselves believing other things that are significant because they hear them enough. And that's what our series is about, that we are kind of right in the middle of the series is called Lies Christians Believe. And each week we're talking about a different lie. And so we've, we've uh, talked about a lie that has to do with our heart, a lie that has to do with happiness, and last week a lie that has to do with troubles. And I'm so excited because God really worked last week. I thank those who talked to me this week. There are people who responded to what God was saying last week, to the truth, and they have seen God work already this week because of that. I'm not going to review those studies. You can go to our website and do that. But we're going to talk about another lie that's out there and that some Christians believe today. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for being the God of truth. Thank you that your word is truth. Thank you that we can count on your word no matter what people are saying around us, we can always go back to your word 
and know that it is truth. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts again today. Speak truth to us. In Christ's name, amen. So the lie we're going to talk about today says this. You control your own destiny. Have you heard that one? You control your own destiny. You hear that at graduations. Some graduation speakers will put that out to the graduates. You control your own destiny. There are a lot of self-help books that will tell you that. A lot of the positive thinkers will tell you that. You control your own destiny. Destiny is what becomes of a person in the end. That's destiny. Destiny is where the course of a person's life ultimately takes them. That's destiny. Which means destiny is about the future. Destiny is about the future. But I want to suggest to you today that this statement about destiny, that you and I control our own destiny, that's a lie. It's a lie about the future, about your future, that you control it. Uh, there are other ways of saying it. One is, you are the captain of your own ship. You ever heard that? You're the captain of your own ship. Um, another way is, you have the power to make your dreams come true. If you dream it, you can do it. Because you have the power to make your dreams come true. You control your own destiny. I went on the Internet and I found... Um, an article called Eight Powerful Steps to Controlling Your Destiny. Eight Powerful Steps to Controlling Your Destiny. Just, just two things that this author said that stood out to me. He said, when you learn how to control your destiny, you become unstoppable. And another thing he said, you can do, have, and be anything you want. You can be, you can do, you can have anything you want. <clears throat> Why are statements like that so believable? Why do people grab on to statements like that? I think it's because certain words are in those statements that we gravitate toward. Words like control, captain, power, unstoppable, anything you want. I mean, aren't those words that people gravitate toward? They're appealing to us. I can have control over my destiny. I have the power to make my dreams come true. I can be unstoppable. I can have, be, and do anything I want. I mean, those are appealing thoughts. 
and believable. Why wouldn't I believe those things? Well, maybe because they're not true. Maybe because they're not in God's Word. You control your own destiny. Let's go to God's Word. Let's start with truth about God. Good place to start, isn't it? Always a good place to start. Truth about God. Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46, starting with verse 8. It says, remember this. Fix it in your mind. Take it to your heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end Destiny. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. That's truth about God. Basically, he's sovereign, right? He's in control. He knows the end. He knows what's to come. He has a purpose. And his purpose will always stand. He's sovereign. He's in control. Psalm 139 Psalm 139, wonderful uh, text about origin, where did we come from? Verse 13, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And here it is. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Woe. While I was still in Beulah's womb, God knew my destiny. I certainly didn't at that time. Take a look at Acts in the New Testament, Acts 17. Acts 17, starting with verse 24. <clears throat> Acts 17:24. It says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. 
He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Notice, it presents God as the creator who put everything in place, including nations. And it says in verse 26, he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Why do you live in Embarrass or Babbitt or Ely or Tower or Virginia or back in the woods? This might have something to do with it. Maybe. Paul says God is the determiner. He determines. He's the determiner. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the terminator. God is the determiner. We, we could go on and on. I mean, the scripture reveals God all over the place. He's sovereign. He has a purpose, and his purpose always comes to pass. It always stands. He is in control. He makes the determinations. He knows the end right now. He knows the destiny of every single one of us. He's in control. And yet there are people who say to us, you control your own destiny. On your sheet, there's kind of a different thing than usual. Um, I want to try and explain that to you uh, for the rest of the time. You'll notice there that... uh, On the left, you have this statement, destiny before the grave, in this life. And then you have a a tombstone. Down further to the right, you have the statement, destiny beyond the grave, in eternity. And before that, you have a tombstone. Those are the two things we're going to talk about concerning destiny. There is a destiny before the grave. How our life here turns out, where the course of our life leads us here. So that's our destiny here in this life. Then you have our destiny after the grave, after death, where we end up spending eternity. So that's what those two mean. And they're linked by what's in the middle. Take a look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes 7, right after Proverbs. Just one line from Solomon here that's obviously true. I mean, it's, it's so simple and basic. But just to remind you. 
Verse 2. Ecclesiastes 7. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. And here's the statement. For death is the destiny of every man. Every person. Now, you don't have to be as wise as Solomon to come to that conclusion. Death is the destiny of every person. And the living should take this to heart, he says. Because it's true. One destiny that every single human being shares is the grave, is death. Now, you could add some unique whatabouts. We're not into that. The general truth is what everyone has in common, the destiny we have in common is the grave. That's what Solomon says. The destiny of every person is death. Death and that common destiny comes after our life lived here and before our experience in eternity, after death. So I want us to just talk briefly about the destiny before death in this life, how our life turns out here, and then I want to talk briefly about our destiny after death where we end up in eternity. So let's start with our destiny here. And of course the question is, who controls that? Who controls our destiny here? How our life turns out here? Take a look at Proverbs chapter 16. Now, I would think a lot of people would answer that question. Well, of course I do. I control how my life turns out. I control my destiny here. How my life ends up here on earth. Well, let's just look at what Scripture says. Uh, Proverbs 16.1. To man belong the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for his own ends. Verse 9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. He's the determiner. Chapter 19, verse 21. 1921. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose That prevails. And chapter 21, verse 30. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. So what do all those scriptures have in common? They talk about man making his plans. And yet they also say in the end, who has the final say? The Lord. So who's in control? The one with the final say, right? The Lord. 
When we talk about our destiny before the grave, uh, the outcome of our life here on this earth, we're talking about things like plans, uh, dreams, ambitions, purposes. We all have those, right? We have plans, we have purposes, we have ambitions, we have dreams. Okay? And those kinds of things become what we choose to follow because we think they're going to lead us to a certain destiny that we want to get to here on this earth. And these scriptures and Proverbs aren't saying it's wrong to plan, right? It's not wrong to dream. It's not wrong to have ambition. But every one of those scriptures said, man makes the plans, but God has the last word. Man makes his choices based on his dreams, his ambitions, all those things. But in the end, it's God's plan that works out. It's God's purpose that is fulfilled. He has the last say, not us. Uh, Practical James talks about this in the New Testament. Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Starting in verse 13. James 4. He says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Is that you? Do you have it all scripted out? Your dreams, your plans, your ambitions, your purposes in this life, where you want to get to in this life, Do you have it all scripted out? Do you work on an agenda that you have set? James says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, we'll spend a year there, we'll carry on business and make money. He says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. You talk about all these plans and all the details. You've got it right down. Got your five-year plan, got your 10-year plan, you got your 20-year plan. And James says, hey, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Is he right? Anybody have plans for tomorrow? I do. Anybody know what's going to happen tomorrow? We know by experience that's true, don't we? He says, what is your life? You are just a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, instead of what's quoted in verse 13, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. What's the difference? One is acknowledging, yeah, I have these plans. I have these things I want to do. I have these dreams. I have these ambitions. But in the end, God has a will. Right? 
And James isn't saying don't make plans. He's saying make sure that God's will is included. That you're not off running ahead of him and it's your agenda, it's your script. And you're running the show. Make your plans with God's will in the picture. If it's God's will. And then he says, as it is, verse 16, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. You see, there's a tendency for people who have their dreams and ambitions and purposes and plans to become prideful of that because they've got it all figured out. There's a temptation to become arrogant and to make it known you've got your life all planned out and you know what your destiny is going to be in this life because you've got it all set up. James says, if you brag about that, if you get prideful about that, that's evil. Because you're leaving God's will out of the picture. It's your dream. It's your ambition. It's your purpose. It's your plan. But hey, the Internet says that's okay because you control your destiny. You have the power to make your dreams come true. You're the captain of your own ship. Phil Vischer is the man who created VeggieTales. Big Idea Incorporated was the name of the company. Most of you are familiar with VeggieTales. Phil Vischer um, went to Bible college down in the Twin Cities. And after one year, he was asked to leave that college because his dream was more important than academics. And his dream had good motives. Let me read just uh, something from his book called Me, Myself, and Bob, his story. He says, I, I wanted God to use me to make a difference. I wanted to make movies and TV shows filled with biblical truth. I wanted to build a theme park. I wanted to create the next Disney, be the next Disney, and my dreams were all going swimmingly for a while. VeggieTales just exploded, right? Big Ideas Incorporated grew and grew and grew. It was all over. Most of us have videos in our homes. VeggieTales. But what you might also be familiar with is that eventually... Phil Vischer ended up in the courts, being sued, going bankrupt, losing Big Idea Incorporated, losing VeggieTales. And he makes some comments about dreams and plans. He says this, I realized eventually that I had let my good work, my dreams, become an idol that defined me. Phil Vischer says, even though at the beginning I think I had good motives 
It was to serve God, present truth to kids. He says, as time went on, my dream became my God. I was in control. It was all about my plans and my dreams, my ambition. And it got taken out right from under him. And so this is his conclusion. If God gives you a dream and the dream comes to life and God shows up in it and then the dream dies, it may be that God wants to see what is more important to you, the dream or him. And once he's seen that, you may get your dream back or you may not. And you may live the rest of your life without it. But that will be okay because you'll have God. He goes on to say he hates when he goes into a room and there's a whiteboard and the group in that room starts talking about five-year goals, 10-year goals, 20-year goals. And he says, five-year goals are none of your business. Ten-year goals are none of your business because God is in control and only God knows the end. God is the determiner. He is sovereign. And so when you make your plans, James says, don't brag about them and make sure you say, we'll do this, I'll do this, if it's the Lord's will. He is still in control. I do not control my destiny in this life. Now, I make choices. And if I'm controlling that, as some of you know, tend to mess it up, right? When we're in control of our destiny, how we want our life to go. A lot of times when we're in control, we mess it up. There are a lot of people in situations that can mess it up. We have to remember, we aren't in control. We just try to make the good choices, follow Jesus, and focus on his will, his plan, his purpose. Make your plans. Dream your dreams. Don't let them become God. Don't become the controller. God is in control. On the right side of your sheet, we have destiny on the other side of the grave. Right? Where we ultimately end up after death. Who determines that? Now, again, we would like to think, I do. I'm in charge of that. Where I spend eternity, my destiny. I'm not sure scripture would confirm that as much as you want it to be true. Uh, Take a look at some scriptures here. Psalm 73. I want to show you three scriptures that would be examples of this subject. Um, Really what scripture tells us, as far as destiny beyond the grave, eternity, there are only two destinies. Destiny before the grave, there are many outcomes. Your life, I mean, it, it involves your testimony, your, your reputation, uh, your influence, your, you know, uh, 
there's so many possibilities as where your destiny in this life could could end up. But when it comes to eternity after the grave, the Bible only points to two. There are only two possible destinies. <coughs> Let me show you. <coughs> uh, Psalm <coughs> 73. The psalmist is talking about how he he got to this place in his life where he envied the wicked, those who did not follow God, because they didn't seem to have problems. They seemed to prosper and have a good time. And he was trying his hardest to follow God. And uh, he had problems. <clears throat> and so he's struggling with that until, verse 17, he says, I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final, what? Destiny. His eyes were open to the big picture, to destiny. And he said, I understood, finally, the destiny of those I was envying, the wicked. And he says in verse 18, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. What's he saying? I realized that the wicked have a destiny and it's not good. It's not good where they're going to end up. That's their destiny. Notice what he says later in verse 23. He says, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into what? Glory. That's his destiny as a follower of the Lord. So David, or not David, but the psalmist is coming to realize there are two destinies. And the destiny of the wicked whom he's been envying is not a good one. But he's being reminded that his destiny, even though things are kind of hard for him now on earth, his destiny is good. It'll be with the Lord it will be glory. Two destinies. Um, we see that also in the book of Philippians in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Philippians 3.18. Paul says, For as I have often told you before, and now I say it again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny, those who are enemies of the cross, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Again, two destinies, right? Paul says there's the enemies of the cross, those who reject Jesus and what he did on the cross. They have a destiny. It's destruction. That's where they're going to end up. But he says to the Philippian Christians, our destiny is heaven. It's glory. We are citizens of heaven. Two destinies. 
Second Thessalonians. And again, these are just examples. You know, we can find many other places that this two destiny after the grave idea is presented. Second Thessalonians chapter one. Verse six. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified. That's their destiny. The ones who do not respond to the gospel of Jesus. One page before that, perhaps, in my Bible at least, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. Paul talking to the Christians, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we live together with him. Two destinies. Paul says, we who know Jesus, no wrath with Jesus. Those who resist the gospel, they have a destiny, eternally separated from Jesus. So the scripture says there's two destinies after the grave. There's only two. One, it's in the presence of Jesus. It's glory forever. The other is separated from Jesus forever. Two destinies after the grave. Who determines which destiny is yours? We would like to think we're in control of that. We would like to think we're the determiners. We really aren't. The one who's in control of our eternal destiny, the one who determines our eternal destiny invites us to make a choice. And he's already determined your destiny. Choose the gospel. Choose Jesus. Choose to submit your life to him and follow him. Your destiny is determined. Keep on resisting Jesus. The gospel, your destiny is determined. It's one of two destinies. So, the statement is you are in control of your own destiny. Sounds good. We like the idea of control. I like that I'm in control of where my life ends up here and where my life ends up after here. We like that. We want to be the captain of our own ship. We like the idea that we have the power to make all our dreams come true. But you see, there is a God who is in control, who has purposes and plans. He is sovereign. And he is the determiner. And so 
as we make our plans, as we make our choices, as we follow our dreams, as we think about our ambitions, we must not think that it's all about us. We're in control. There's still a God. So, friends, let's consider his purposes. Let's consider his will. Let's consider his plan. Let's consider his control. And let's make our choices and decisions based upon that truth. We have enough people whose lives are messed up because they think they can control their own destiny. It's not true. You don't have that kind of power. There's somebody bigger than you. Somebody bigger than you. And he's inviting you to be part of his purpose and his plan for your life here and eternity. Let's pray. Our Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word. And, and Lord, now I just pray that you would go with us as we search your scriptures some more to make sure that the stuff we've just heard is true or not. Father, there are a lot of voices out there who are telling us one thing about our destiny. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to sort that out. I pray that your word would penetrate us. Your word that points to you as the sovereign, the one in control, the one whose purposes and plans will be fulfilled, the determiner. And may we not take your place in that role, no matter what people say. May we be submissive and follow the one who is bigger than us, whose ways are greater than any dream or ambition we might have. In Christ's name, amen. Yes.